We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Tuesday afternoon. It's November 7th after the Wolves beat the Boston Celtics 114-109 in overtime on Monday night. Their fourth win in six games this season. They've now beaten the team that they traded for Rudy Gobert in Utah. They beat the Eastern Conference champions from a year ago, Miami. They also beat the Western Conference champions and NBA champions, Denver. And then last night, they beat maybe this year's championship favorite, Boston. I think, you, you know, Kyle, you couple that with the fact that the Wolves are statistically the number one defense in the league right now. And what Ant was able to do offensively last night, it's it's hard to not kind of get swept up in this in this team right now. You were you're out of town over the weekend. We haven't even really had a chance to. To talk since uh, since even like the, the the Denver game. I mean, how how swept up are you in this right now? Uh, well, as we were talking before this, I we jo- I joke a lot at, during big wins or after big moments where it's like the Timberwolves saved my life. Uh, I had the most severe food poisoning I've ever had yesterday, so I watched all four and a half quarters of that with my head just buried in a toilet. Uh, at one point, I think and bite, I stole bite. the ball. At the end of the first quarter and threw it from half court and Michael Grady yelled, oh, and the heave, as I was just dry heaving mm. all of my feelings and organs. Um, this is good. I hope everyone's still listening. <laughs> yeah, right so uh, if just down pretty bad, but uh, they literally saved my Monday. So it's crazy, like you said there, just to the little winning streak they've been on. I think they're right, like That's kind of like, I, I think that's what's fueling some of this too, is it's not the fact that they're four and two. It, it feels to me like who they're beating and how they're beating them is kind of lighting a fire, right? And they're doing it with the worst coach in the NBA, according to people in my mentions, which is always uh, pretty impressive. So, yeah, I think they're 4-0 to start the season at home, which, again, just kind of you can dovetail that into a multitude of things. But I also just mm-hmm. come back to like, man, what if Target Center was like an awesome place for the home team to play in a terrible place? It was place? lively last night. You know man. what I mean? Uh, the fans deserve this more than anyone and the team is actually really good and there's still criticisms and players to kind of get into and things that they could do better i mean I, last that's what we've been saying like that's a good thing like 
Yeah, because like, it's we... six games into the fucking season. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I'm saying, like, if they're, if they, I mean, objectively, I don't think anybody out there is saying this is like a bad team. I don't think anybody's thinking this is a paper tiger defense, at least. Like, if that is the baseline and we could go through like five, six things that not only we think could get better, but probably will get better. Like sometimes <laughs> skepticism is a way of, you know, pointing to a higher ceiling. And that's just, that's just how I you know, feel but, with this team. And we, like I said, we didn't talk last week cause I was out, but uh, it just, it goes back to like that Atlanta Hawks game. I know was one of the most frustrating losses that I can just ever remember. And this team has a lot of them, right? Like that list is pretty long, but I just don't know how you, you as a person can know ball if you don't think that this stuff is like interconnected, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I always think back to the football thing is like when a team gets punked on a Sunday, like it's always the smart bet to like take them the next week because they went all week watching film, getting made fun of on, you know, local talk radio and national media. And there's, there's like, they're itching to get back out there and like prove that, Hey, we don't suck. And the Hawks game was terrible. But yeah, to want to fire Finch or blow up the roster after three games, like, I don't know. Do you, do, do you think they beat the Nuggets as handily as they do if they don't drop that game to the Hawks? Like, sometimes, man, these athletes and these professional people, like, they learn things after a bad moment and it comes mm -hmm. back. So yeah, now you have that early blemish, which is a terrible blemish. And since then, they've probably played, I wouldn't say 12 awesome quarters, but I've watched all three of those games back two or three times, like they've played at least 10 quarters that are really good basketball. And last night, again, for this is the 35th year of this team. And I can't think of 35 games where they played professional basketball for all 48 minutes or last night, 53. Mm -hmm. They just, they never, I remember you used to talk about letting go of the rope. They never let go of the rope last night. Even when it got to, I think eight at one point, I think that was the biggest lead for the Celtics at one point. Mm -hmm. They just never really got flummoxed. Obviously Carl had his moments, but they just played professional basketball, and I think that's – they're playing professional basketball. They're winning games. They're beating good opponents, and I think it's a bright side or glass half full that there's so many things they could do better. <laughs> like, yeah. that's a good thing. You don't want to peak in November, right? You want to peak in late April. I, I want to start with Amp, but I think what's interesting, I was talking to Travis in the media room after this – after the game about this last night is I think it was – at the point when Boston had their biggest lead that Carl did have those three buckets in a row on that drew holiday switch, like yeah. in the not the switch, they were matching holiday up with him. And I mean, we're going to talk about Carl like later in this episode, but I, I wrote that down in my notes at the time that, you know, that was a meaningful shift in the game and Carl played a bad game, but, uh, but I don't know. I just thought that that was like was a, it, kind of a weird like pivot point in the game. Wasn't it got the, them to the fourth quarter? You know, was it the Denver game or the Jazz game? Again, my brain is just mush right now. But uh, the Denver game and the Jazz game where like Carl also had kind of a big third quarter where he strung together a couple buckets that kind of kept him yeah, going. Again, third. There, there's a lot, the criticism, yeah. a lot of criticism. A lot of criticism that needs to go his way, and we will get into that. But uh, yeah, I think you run it back up, and you just I mean, what do you do? You want to just take your shirts off? Like, what do you want to do talking about Anthony Edwards? Because last night. <laughs> I know we get, I get hyperbolic on a lot of these pods, but postseason games always will always matter more than regular season games. It's just a higher level of competition. But there's a pretty strong case to be made that last night was the best game of Anthony Edwards' career. Oh yeah, both on both ends. Like it's not. I'm not even sure it's really up for debate. Like not only the scoring, um, but the playmaking, and then two, just like there was that one play against Tatum, where he matched him up man to man at the top. 
and Tatum kind of lost the ball going left, and then yeah. it came a jump ball. I've never seen that kid who has such charisma and personality and is just always smiling. He looked like a Georgia Bulldog. Like, he looked like he was just out for blood, like when you throw the piranhas in the water. He was just kind of yapping at the ball with Tatum. Uh, what he did on both ends of the floor, and then, yeah, just the shot-making at the end of the game was uh, impressive. And it was, yeah, uh, for 22 years old, on that stage against that team, against those wings, best games ever played. And with five fouls that, that whole time. Uh, Ant was asked about that after the, the, the game last night, playing with five fouls and guarding Tatum at that time. Counting overtime, you had 13 minutes with five fouls out there. And yeah. yet you were still really aggressive scoring and pretty aggressive on uh, defense. Hell yeah. Um, what's your mindset on that? Do you, do you edit yourself a little bit? In Hell the no. Line? They don't want to see me foul out. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I, that's how I was looking at it. I'm telling Finchy like they found me out, and that's on them. I, I feel like they don't want to see me file out, so I mean, I still was playing aggressive. Rudy said he's really proud of you for the defensive effort that you gave on Tatum. Just like, what kind of a challenge did you accept in those moments when when he's sitting right in front of you? And it's um, he 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 got he got to stop on me at the end of the game, mm -hmm. and he was talking smack at jump ball at overtime, and I told him like coming again and luckily he called me up for iso and tried to iso me and i'm like i play defense i just got five fouls you know what i'm saying so i had to show him that i could play defense but he's a great player man one of the best players in the league for sure never forget man they compared that kid to jordan crawford and Dion waiters that's who they thought he was going to be and he uh he just he was he was perfect last night i also i I'm gonna, I'll throw it back to you here. You can give me all the fun stats and stuff, but I also want to talk about leadership because there was a moment last night in that game that I thought was, again, one of the most telling moments of this baton being passed and this kid elevating himself, not just as a star player in the league, but like mm -hmm. a franchise player. No, I mean, I, I don't have any crazy stats for you because I don't think that's what tells the story. I think it's like 30, 38, 9, and 7. Um is an awesome stat line. I don't even think it really like tells a story. Um, I think he, he quote, only had 13 points in the fourth quarter in overtime. If I'm correct, there felt like about 23, you know? Uh, and, and I think the value in like exceeding your stats is, is powerful, right? Like that, the, what that means is the game revolved around him. Mm -hmm. And and interestingly, like Boston dared him to to be involved in the game on the defensive side of the floor as well, which like as just an aside, I, I don't think that's how you try and go at Ant is by just asking him to play isolation defense. I mean, I get it kind of with like five fouls, but, you know, I, that, that happened right in front of me at the game. And I'm, I don't want to say I knew that was going to happen, but you know Ant's going to go chest to chest with Tatum there and Tatum's going to make a difficult shot or Ant's going to get the ball. And um, <laughs> it was jump ball. So I guess they split it right there. Um, but then to the, the, the jump ball goes loose and Ant just, I don't know, like Sonic the Hedgehogs, like his way. <laughs> Do you remember that? Like he like got down low and all of a sudden he comes up with the ball and he's going the other way, hit a head pass uh, to Mike Conley for the three. Like, there's one stat in that whole 45 second thing. I mean, it, it's a jump ball and an assist. Like that's it, and that won the game. I mean, to to me, that set the tone for for the overtime. Which, 
I'm being honest, like once it got to OT, I was kind of like, you know, if I'm betting on this, I'm probably betting the more experienced, more mature team, right? And to the Wolves' credit, like they don't look, not just in that game, but night to night, like the significantly less experienced team or the significantly younger and, and immature team. And, you know, when they are that, Ant usually plays a big role in that. And when they aren't that, Ant plays uh, just, you know, an even bigger role. I, I just, very impressive, very fun to watch. And, I mean, 76 more games to go. How can you just not be excited about where Anthony Edwards is, is taking this team? I know I got my petty shot in at the top about the Chris Finch stuff, but I don't know if you have the clip, but you were in the locker room post game when they were talking about like, how are you doing this? Or like, how are you taking this other leap? And he, he ant credited a lot of his success right now to just his off season yeah. and team USA. But there was also a really funny part of those quotes where he was like, and Finchie kept making me come back to Minnesota and like mm-hmm. playing. I think you asked him right about like situational basketball. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't have the clip, but I, I was just, uh, what, what, struck me in, in overtime, you know, I don't remember somebody from Boston, like got to the line and this is like, you know, a minute or two left in overtime and Ant's been going again for 13 minutes with five fouls. And he's like huffing and puffing some, but like the, the understandable huffing and puffing, you uh-huh. know, like yeah. he's been running back and forth the whole time. Well, 12 months ago, he was out of shape. You know, I mean, that that's a fact. He told us that. Um, so that's, that's what I was kind of asking him. I'm like, well, I felt like a lot of that performance you just had in the fourth quarter and overtime had to do with like physically the way you are right now compared, compared to a season ago. And that did lead to an interesting answer of something. I didn't, I didn't know what was happening or I didn't know this happened this summer, but they were, I asked some people about it uh, last night after Ant mentioned this, like they were just simulating in the summer, simulating situations like last night for Ant, um, you know, down by five, you're getting doubled. You know, what are we doing? They ran these five on five game simulations, because uh, which makes sense. That's what Ant, you know, as a young player needed to learn and, and grow in. And and he just was like, that did a world of good for me. I had a, I had a great summer, that stuff with Finch um, back in Minnesota. And then obviously, in addition to FIBA, yeah, the, the kid's on another level because he just had the best summer of his life. And he's in as good of shape as as he's ever been which is absolutely necessary to be able to play a fourth quarter in overtime the the way he did right remember when his knee used to like burp and then he would call out right away like, remember those days when like his knee would have like a little thing and he'd like calling out for sub but then he yeah. wouldn't sub or like he would be hands on his knees in the second quarter no just back to the finch thing i i i know that after that atlanta hawks game again it was just so bad and I think you and I have both said that last year was probably Finch's maybe worst year of coaching since he joined the team. But uh, I just keep coming back to, man, especially talking to other people around the team, that just that rela- it, that relationship, you got to give some credit to to Finch on just, mm-hmm. and last night was a good example of Ant going out of his way to kind of bring up these situations that none of us know, right? Like there is, there is, just because Dane does five pods a week, like there is a lot of stuff that we don't still know. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and some of that is like, Finch calling Ant back from wherever he is across the country in the summer. Be like, hey, we're going to put you in July. We're going to put you in moments that are going to translate into November and January and March. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool. But there was another cool moment in that game. And this maybe can segue into Jaden and just the foundation of this team. But yeah. I don't have the exact like timestamp. But there was a moment in the second quarter. I think 
and, and credit to Jim Pete, by the way, he was kind of all over this. Jaden started the game one for nine. Uh, yeah. And it was really like hurting my feelings and embarrassing because they were leaving him wide open as if like what you would do to like the football players when you mm-hmm. play pickup basketball. Where it's like, yeah, that guy can't shoot. Just like right. make him shoot. So Jaden was one for nine. Ant gets the ball, drives to the middle, kicks it to Jaden in the corner, and Jaden hits this three. Celtics call a timeout right away. And Ant just runs over to him and starts just da- like just giving him a big pep talk. And from there, Jaden went on to shoot six of eight after that, including 12 points in the fourth quarter in overtime. But that moment right there, and then all the stuff he said post-game to Katie Storm or in the locker room, mm-hmm. like that was, that was leadership 101. That was him being like, I know my guy you know, the cornerstone of this team that came into the league with me in 2020, like he's having a really bad night, but he's still busting his ass on defense. Mm-hmm. He's maybe the best defender in the league or one of, and I need to continue to trust him. And after the game, and even said, he's like, well, when I'm playing bad, they still trust me and give me right. the ball. I got to do the same thing for Jaden. So I thought that moment was to build up one of your teammates I, for all the other stuff that this team has going on or has traditionally had going on in the past. That was just a really, really big moment for a kid who's 22 to be like, hey, I'm going to continue to pass you. But that's hard to do, man. Yeah. It's hard when a guy is not mm-hmm. shooting well to be like, hey, I probably could just do this myself and I'm going to trust him. Uh, and Jaden was obviously great defensively. I think he only had three fouls, which is pretty crazy <laughs> when you consider he played 45 minutes. And against basically- Tatum and Brown. <laughs> against Tatum and Brown. Um, but he also, again, those 20 points. I know uh, there's a really cool podcast earlier today with Adam Mares and, and Tim Legler. And Legler was going just off about how, like, Jaden is so good defensively mm-hmm. and coming in. I don't know if it was, like, the Washington thing or whatever, but, like, a lot of people thought maybe he was, like, Matisse Tybel. Um, But the difference between Tybel and, and Jaden is that Jaden can then give you 20. And yeah. they needed those 20 points last night. He was second in the team in scoring, hit four for nine threes, including, like I said, I think three of them were in the uh, fourth, in, fourth quarter in overtime. So I just thought that was a really cool moment to highlight because – Ant's doing all this other stuff, right? He's got 38. He's got nine boards. He's got seven assists. But he's also, like, not solely focused on himself. Mm-hmm. He's solely focused on trying to elevate all those people around him. It's what he does on home games, right? Elevating the fans, getting them, entertaining yeah. them. So that was a really cool moment that they don't win that game without Jaden offensively, which is not something we've said a lot, right? Right. I, I want to get into the to the Jaden element of this game because you, know, you point to the – the, the shot making that he had in the fourth quarter and overtime, but it was really symptomatic of what I thought was really interesting, the way that Boston decided to to match up uh, against the Wolves. We'll take a quick break here, and then I want to get into that. I want to let you guys know that uh, Falling Knife Brewing Company has uh, all the Wolves games on, on their TV sound on in there. I got to imagine that's been a fun environment thus far this season. Uh, you can go on, on Wednesday night uh, against New Orleans if you are not. Uh, going to Target Center for this game, or they play Wemby uh, in San Antonio on Friday night. Um, this is, to me at least, like the the type of like Wolves season that is meant to be shared. I always would make the joke about, you know, Wolves fandom was always like done in the dark in your basement when you're like your, <laughs> your me, wife yeah. and kids were like up, you know, going to sleep, and you're you're there watching by yourself. Like this is this is now something to like not be ashamed about, and I think you could do with. Uh, with other people. So uh, at, at least locally falling knife is, I, I think a, a great option for that kind of the, the wolves bar in, in Minneapolis. So put that on your radar for uh, Wednesday, Friday uh, this week as the, as the wolves continue to play. And then we do have a chance for you guys to go to the game on Wednesday uh, against new Orleans. We're going to be trying to do this uh, throughout the season, giving away a pair of tickets to about half of the, the wolves 
uh, home games this season. Um, we want to do it to, to people or give those to people who have been uh, supporting the, the pod for uh, a while now um, through through our Patreon. Obviously, uh, we, we fund the show uh, largely with advertising and, and those sort of things. But having kind of that uh, that baseline of just subscribers who, who want to contribute uh, to, to the work uh, that we do. So if you are a Patreon uh, subscriber, patreon.com slash Dane Moore NBA, just uh, shoot us a message uh, that you are available for, for Wednesday against the Pelicans. And then uh, we will randomly pick someone to get two tickets lower level. Again, Target Center uh, has has been a blast this year. That just for me sitting there, it's been so much more lively than so many of the other games I have uh, I've covered at Target Center. So um, there's a link for the the Patreon if if you want to um, get in the mix there. Send again, send us a message so we know that you're available. Patreon.com/slash Dane Moore MBA. Kyle, I thought this game like right away from the like the jump first possession was extremely interesting in you know I'm weird and I always write down like what the matchups are and I also kind of like try to guess how the opposing opposing team is going to match up with the wolves um but before the game starts I feel like that's like particularly interesting now with the you know the double big look and and how they're going I would not have guessed that they were going to put Jaden McDaniel or put Kristaps Porzingis on Jaden McDaniels and have Drew Holiday guard Carl Anthony Towns. And frankly, I think that was a, a good move by Missoula. I think it kind of flummoxed the the Wolves early, but they eventually sort of settled in to, to what that looked like and stopped trying to play uh, matchup basketball. I asked Finch about that uh, after the game. Here's what Finch had to say. Chris, you mentioned them not guarding Jaden, honestly, in that yeah. sort of way. What Just overall, the way they kind of matched up with you yeah, guys, they, what, what did you need to do against that? I mean, it's, you know, you can't play mismatched basketball against that type of defense. I mean, they just come out, they got great length, they got really good defenders, their their switchability is, uh, is a problem. Um, you know, whenever we did move the ball and we just kind of made the easy play in front of us, like, they still got to come out and they still got to guard, um, you know, and, and I think it's it's mentally challenging sometimes because you think you want to take on all these like matchups and overcomplicate the game, but um, the reality is like those things will reveal themselves if you just kind of play and play within the flow a little bit more. Um, you know, there were more opportunities I probably should have gotten the ball to Cat down the stretch there in the post uh, with with Holiday was on him. Um, you know, and maybe we could have gotten something uh, calmed down and, and good at the rim there, but in general. You know, we made enough of the right plays, uh, but it was really all about our defense. And again, I mean, we'll talk about the defense a little bit, too, because I do agree with the, the the thing that shifted this game was or made the Wolves be competitive in this game was the defense. But you do got to score a little bit. Um, and and that's where this team is less than right. Kyle is they are as good of a defensive team as they are. They're below average uh, offensively thus far. And. And part of that is they're still navigating, you know, how Carl's navigating how to find his buckets playing with Rudy next to the basket. Uh, Jaden all of a sudden like, kind of comes out and he's dared to be the the offensive engine for for the team to start the game because Porzingis wasn't guarding him. I think he started one of six in like the first six minutes of the game. But again, they sort of settled into it. Come the fourth quarter and overtime, I think the five guys that were on the floor, Jaden, and Ant in particular understood 
what Boston was trying to take away or dare them to do. And they maximized it, right, with Jaden hitting a couple of skip pass threes from Ant. Um, and then Jaden, I think that got him some confidence, right? He sees those go down. Then he kind of gets to the mid-range, taking Porzingis uh, off the dribble to, to be able to score. Then I think Jaden was five of six uh, from the field in in the fourth quarter and, and overtime. I do just, like, I mean, we're, we'll focus on this game, but this is, like, for me, something I'm going to be tracking throughout the season, particularly when you are a good team, you are going to be scouted harder and more like intimately. And it's kind of like the example I've been using is two years ago when they would put the small on cat and then they bring the double. And that really kind of stuck the wolves in the mud for like a couple months, right? They couldn't figure that out. This is going to be the defensive dynamic that they face when they're on offense and they're going to need to navigate that over, over the course of the season because teams are going to try and muck this up. They're going to they're going to try and throw something weird at you and make you figure it out on the fly. Uh, and quite frankly, they're going to need to figure it out a little bit quicker than I think they did uh, last night. But but credit to I think that you know the two young guys on the team for being the ones who really figured this out last night in in Ant and Jaden and, and the way those two played off each other. I'm unapologetically just pro Jaden. I just kind of love him uh, and everything he does. Uh, I just was looking this up on the fly. I think last night was his career high for field goal attempts, <laughs> 18, um, which, you know, I mean, that's probably not that surprising, right? He didn't ever take, I think, more than 10 in his rookie season. Uh, but again, to go back to, he started one for nine, and then to finish from that point I brought up in the in the mm -hmm. second quarter, to then go seven for nine the rest of the way. Uh, this is, I, mean, I just I don't even know how to form thoughts, but it's like this ties into that contract extension. Right. Where it's like, OK, man, like we we're paying you a lot of money moving forward now, not just to be a really good defender. I mean, he didn't really do anything else in the box score last night. Two rebounds, one assist, one steal. But there are going to be nights when if Carl's going to give you an absolute dud of seven points on three or ten shooting, like you need Jaden if he's making twenty seven million dollars starting next season to score and for him to be able to give them two ways of not only defense again, like you were talking about, like Finch was talking about, but just giving them big points. And it was just, it was big threes too, right? Like one in the corner, but then it was also like these little mid range things where he, the shot clock's running down. It was on the left side and he just had to kind of go and give him a bucket. Yeah. So I was just really happy for him because you could see it. And Jim P was calling it out all, all night. But when he was one for nine, man, he looked like he was on an Island and he's like, I'm, 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 I'm not falling, right? Like I'm, yeah. I'm doing everything that everyone wants me to, but I can't get the ball to go through the basket and you can't sit him in those situations. Like you might a lesser player that's not hitting shots. <laughs> yeah, but, guard Tatum. Yeah. Right. So just, I don't know. I just, I know it's all about ant last night and it should be all about ant, but if you can, I don't know if Jane's going to ever average 20 points a game, maybe at the, as this team and the timelines and all that stuff develops and we move forward. But he showed you last night that it, I mean, remember media day when he's like, yeah, I know I can, score a lot of points right if i was mm -hmm. i can be a first option on on a lot of teams last night showed you that it actually came pretty easy to him to be able to give you production on both ends of the court and they needed it because without him it would have been probably just a really big ant game that results in another sad timberwolves loss and do you remember this was kind of i don't know where but i remember atlanta doing this to him last year where they put trey young on him you remember that and yep. like yeah yeah uh, they again, they put the game plan together. They were like, okay, looking at the five starters here, like this is the one we're going to dare to go. And, and Jaden in that game, if I'm remembering correctly, had like 
he made all the he had like eight, 10 points in the first six minutes of that game, like all on Trey Young. And again, like teams are going to do this where they are going to pick and dare one or two players on the Wolves to be the ones that beat them. And like you said, the, or the, the two people in this one were Cat and Jaden. And Cat did not have it. And that was very apparent early on that that was the holiday matchup was not going to be one he was going to be able to take advantage of. So if that is, I, there's, there's no way you win that game if you get nothing offensively from Cat and Jaden. I don't care how good, you know, your, your defense is. It took Jaden a few quarters to, to be able to get there having defense um, all along the way. But yeah, I, 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 you say it's all about Ant. Like, I, I just felt that Jaden was an extension of, of Ant yeah. last night because it was his shot making, but it was also the defense that allowed Ant to not need to be guarding Tatum or Brown, you know? And, and I mean, Ant, if you don't have Jaden McDaniels in that game, Ant is forced into his primary matchup being Brown or Tatum. And I, I think it's very likely that he fouls out of that game and you miss the whole fourth quarter and, and overtime of it. So there's a, I don't think there's any underselling what uh, and, what, what Jaden was able to do. And obviously, like, the Ant defensive highlights were incredible, the the bulldog mentality. But a lot of that stuff did come at the end of the game when he was just running on pure adrenaline. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I don't know if Ant's ever going to be able to just be, like, you, I don't think Ant can defend, like, at that for four quarters, right? It's just almost impossible to be that good offensively and also that good defensively. Sure. But to have Jaden kind of, I mean, to, essentially Ant would be like your closer, right, on defense. And that's what he was last night, not only mm-hmm. on offense too. But if Jaden can just kind of get you seven and a half, eight good innings playing defense, and then in certain situations, end of shot mm-hmm. clock, end of game stuff, you can have Ant out there too. It's just It was reminiscent, even though last night it was really just Ant and Tatum down the stretch and in overtime. But it just gave you flashbacks to that Dallas Mavericks game last year, right, when Ant and Jaden just didn't let – Kyrie and Luca even get really a shot yeah, off. Right. Um, and that's what this is all built around. And to your point about Cat too, like if if and when this team decides to pivot or is forced financially to make a move, uh, I mean, you look up and down that box score, Nas Reed's always going to be able to get you a bunch of points. But I've always said this team still lacks some shooting, some scoring. Yeah, that's and if, if you decide that you've had enough of Carl and you just want to send him out for pennies, you're not, I mean, if you go get and we'll talk about this later, but like if you get the James Harden package, which is just a bunch of guys who have a pulse, you need Jane to start scoring more points. And last sure. night in a big game that he's also, you know, known for his defense, for him to be able to get you points after the rough start he had, after being guarded like he was a bum off from the three-point line. And every time he made a three, by the way, in that second half, I would they got to mic him up. And I don't know if we got to pay like, <laughs> if we got to pay like dark web fees, but he every time he hit a shot, he looked at someone, I don't know if it was Sam Cassell on the Celtics bench, but that man was just saying a lot of stuff that I don't think we can repeat on this pod. So he was great. I thought Ant did a great job of, of pumping his tires there in the first half. And it was, you know, again, more and more times where the, the 2020 draft class, RIP to Leandro Balmero, but they, they've, they've changed the culture of this team and they've given fans and, and people watching this organization like real hope. I mean, they kind of saved the franchise and they're interlocked signed for you know the next four or five years so cool performance last night from two kids that are uh not even you know tatum and brown are always the comp right that's another reason last night was so cool it's always like oh can ant and Jaden ever be tatum and brown well tatum and brown have like four years on them and for those guys to do what they did last night and they're not even in their prime yet was a pretty cool experience 
I, I want to move over to talking about the uh, the defense here because I want to talk about Rudy and the defense and then also get to cap before we wrap up. Um, but I want to just start this by uh, playing this, this Rudy quote uh, from the locker room after the game uh, on the defense. And because I feel it is so important where Rudy's at mentally to the success of this defensive team. And I'm just seeing a, a confident Rudy Gobert defensively. And, and here he talks about why he's confident. I feel like maybe the fewest straight line drives you're seeing coming at you. Uh, probably, probably. I mean, uh, the guys have been outstanding, you know, just taking the challenge of staying in front of their man and, you know, and obviously it's, uh, it makes everything easier for, for all of us, you know, and, uh, and then when they do get beat, obviously, uh, I'm there for them. You know, where, where is kind of this team at compared to a year ago in terms of just uh, toughness and mindset on the defensive end of the board to go out and guard and as hard as you guys do for I think it's really uh, we understood this year that it was going to help us be a great team. You know, we we have a lot of talent. We have a lot of guys that can do a lot of amazing things on the court. But if we don't uh, hold hold each other accountable and hold ourselves accountable on those things, we know that we're never going to be able to maximize our potential. So from day one, training camp, you know, we uh, we we sat together and we decided that we wanted to be a defensive team. And uh, and I'm really proud of the way you know the maturity that we we've shown and the approach that we have and the way we take every possession personally. You know I think that's the mark of great defensive team. You know it's, it's got to start here and and then we yeah, and then it's fun. You know and offensively we know that you know we we have a lot of talent. So uh, we share the ball and we stay aggressive and uh, I, I still think we're a really really good offensive team. But. Defensive end is who we are. So I was thinking about that, Kyle. That's just an awesome quote. I I really like that. But you think about this meeting, right? They they sit down and decide that, you know, we need to be a defensive team. That in itself is a huge article of faith in Rudy Gobert, right? And from Anthony Edwards, who saw Rudy struggle last year, all those guys in the locker room. I mean, it's it's the same group largely as last year. And Rudy didn't give you a ton to have faith in on the floor for when, when he was playing last season. So for them to choose that while having maybe some reasonable skepticism of what Rudy could or could not do, one, that's huge. And then secondly, Rudy then needs to deliver. Like, if you were going to be a defensive team, like, yeah, you got Jaden and you got some other, like, good bit defenders and Nikhil and Ant sometimes and that. But I don't know. You, like, kind of remove Rudy from this thing. This is not a defensive team, that a team that you would hang its hat on defense. Rudy, to be that identity that they decided they wanted to be, Rudy Gobert had to, again, become Utah Rudy. And six games in, I mean, he's he's been that and and more. I just found that uh, a fascinating bit of faith. And then also, you know, credit to Rudy for delivering. I've always said that you are the smartest basketball person I know, and I always come to you for things. Uh, but I just want to give you the, the opportunity here on your own podcast. Uh, do you want to just admit now that he wasn't healthy last year? 
because <laughs> because there's just that again we we haven't talked in a week Sick. but that that three that he blocked at the end of the first half the other yeah. night um i just you know it's kind of weird and i know we're going to close here with carl but Ru- rudy gobert kind of gives rudy gobert gives me hope for carl in a way and I'll, i can explain later but he was so i'm not even bad. gonna get to defend that take or no 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 he, he was just so bad last year and it was you know the the calling his confidence for the was bad that's what i said that, right. not, but, i didn't say he was he was nicked up from euro basket i didn't take away from that he wasn't but the entire season rudy gobert injured or not healthy but it, I at the beginning of the season i agree with that at the end of the season think about the denver series did rudy gobert not look physically 100 percent in the denver series yes you don't think he looked 100%? Right? No, I do think he looked 100%. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And so why they became... Just let me have this. No, I, well, I, 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 I'm just saying what I said over and over again was the problem with Rudy Gobert and why you guys were saying he didn't look athletic was because he didn't have faith in the guys around him to be able to go and confidently go defend the rim because he didn't trust that Jalen Noel or Bryn Forbes was going to come and backfill behind him and chip the big. He never had that the entire time. So he found himself in no man's land over and over again. If you watch Rudy in Utah, he was bad sometimes there too when they had no perimeter defenders and he didn't trust himself. And that's how he gets hung up in between. And that's how he gets dunked on. That's what happened in the Jalen Brown play. He didn't know if he could, because it was semi-transition, if he could come over and commit to that. So he's a half second late. And then Jalen Brown puts it on his head. He needs to confidently be able to trust how and where the team is rotating around him, or if they're stopping the ball at the point of attack, or at least presenting some resistance, he can't fix it all himself. Nobody can. He needs to have a little bit of help and a little bit of confidence in the fact that he has that help. And then he can be the defensive player of the year, which I think he has that help this year. And he's looking like the defensive player of the year. I love it. Good. That was a good argument. I will say that if I go to the gym today and I can't put up 225 on the bench, I'm not going to blame it on my health. I'm going to blame it on a lack of trust for my wife and my friends around me. I uh, I just, I think Rudy, one of the cool things about him is that not only physically have I maybe, I think, won that argument that he looks different than last year, but also too, I just don't see the bad teammate stuff. And we're going to get into the energy vampire here in a second, but you just don't see him making his teammates look bad on the court. And that was something that when he was at his peak in Utah, I know there's a lot of other stuff that goes into Rudy Gobert and him, you know, darkness retreats and some of the other stuff he does. But from a teammate standpoint, it seems like he's always been a really good professional teammate. And I think last year that was not the case. He did a video with Shams that was posted today that I'm sure they recorded a couple months ago, but he kind of talked about that as well. Just letting the fans and and the cost of acquiring Rudy kind of get into his head and stuff. He just looks like a guy who comes to work now and he doesn't show up his teammates. They're not really like, he's just kind of getting his offensively now on lobs or putbacks. It's not a lot of, I will say too, and I, I don't know how much you can dig into this. This would be more of a Brit pod, but his passing has been awesome. Like Very he gets sure. the he gets the ball now and he makes these passes out where it's like he kind of collapses the defense and then kicks it out. So just overall, I mean, for what this fan base, this organization had to go through the last 12, 14 months about the Rudy Gobert trade and how it, gets mm-hmm. brought up in Kevin Durant trades and James Harden trades and stuff. He's the best defensive player in the league right now, anchoring the best defense in the league. And at some point you got to shut the fuck up and eat some crow. Like it's a, it's a real thing. Like he, it, you can still say that they paid a little too much for the house, 
but damn, that house is really nice right now. And it's somewhere that maybe you want to retire and have your kids and your grandkids. Like he is so good. And it was crazy last night to watch Jason Tatum, who probably comes into last night, five games into the season is like MVP leader or second behind Jokic. Tatum would get into the lane and not even try to yeah. challenge Gobert. And one other thing that I had in my notes that I want to say, there was that first quarter, I think, moment where Jalen Brown absolutely yammed on Rudy. Mm-hmm. I love that he tried it. I just love that he was like, I'm going to, you know, that those are the yeah. real defensive players I love are the guys like, I don't care if I get posterized. I'm going to try to protect the rim here. And he got dunked on. But after that, man, there wasn't a lot of other guys trying to go to the rim, trying to get up in his face. So mm-hmm. teams just don't even attack him anymore. It's not even like, oh, they're shooting, you know, 30% in the paint. They're not even trying. And he has been a revelation. He might be the team's second best player right now. Uh, he looks spry. He looks like all the things we thought they were going to get last summer when they acquired him. So uh, it is cool, too. I've always just wanted to ask you this on the record. But, I don't know, you kind of grow up or you play basketball and stuff. You're always just like, I mean, pick up basketball, right? You, offense up and down and stuff i think it's really cool that this team is like we want to be good at defense i think being a defensive team is way more cool and way more fun because anyone can score in this league like simmons and russell always talk about how half the league can average 20 points a game but can you really like shut the other team down that's when you really have something that's sustainable i was so tired of the wolves trying to outscore teams in the past trying to score 140 this team might never score north of 110 but 65 games they might not let their opponent score north of 100 so that is another reason why if you're like oh is it the same old wolves have i been through this again am i going to get cheated on again for the 35th year they are actually building something defensively that is sustainable and is starting to like show up more and more by the best players in the league not even doing what they're good at attacking the rim getting into the mid-range because they're just so nervous about the length and size of guys like rudy and guys like Jaden. No, I think it's a it's a great point. I think it I think it's a, it's a fun thing to like. I think for all of us, even if you play basketball, like learning NBA defense is kind of fun. Like <laughs> yeah. and like understand like because it's it's not something we were ever asked to do, right? Like some of the technicalities of this, and I think because basketball is so like pick and roll centric now, like you can kind of just watching live like pick up on some reads and some coverages and like understand like what the the wolves are trying to do i i love that i remember like back the first tibbs year and like understanding what you know it's like 10 years ago but like what ice pick and roll coverage was and what you're trying to get to and what the wolves weren't able to do like how they weren't able to execute that or we talk about like the the high wall during the pat bev year and like understanding um what that's trying to take away what maybe that leaves open and i think like that stuff's kind of like nerdy and in the weeds but it's okay because offense is still going to happen. Like they're still going to get the ball. Right. And there's, even if they're a defensive team and a mediocre offense, there's still going to be these explosions of what Ant was able to do last night or a game where Carl makes seven threes or Conley, Rudy pick and roll lob dunks. Like they can be a defensive team and still be like a really fun team because the flashball plays are still going to happen. You have Anthony Edwards on your team, you know, like that's yeah. It, it's going to be an exciting team to to watch night to night, whatever level of like focus you want to have on it. I just think immature teams can score a lot of points. I yeah, mean, I, right. I, I've watched a couple of Wizards games, right? Like, <laughs> I think immature teams, I think Sorry. these guys are so much more athletic than they were 20, 30 years ago, not to get into the JJ Redick plumbers debate. But I think these guys are just all so fast and quick and strong that anyone can score. 
but I think immature teams can score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. I think mature teams can play defense. I don't really yeah. think you can be an immature team that is really good defensively. And that has been, of all the things we've focused on for the last couple of years of you and I covering the team, but just being fans my whole life, it's never really been since Kevin Garnett left a mature team, mature franchise, mature organization. And to be the best defense in the league and to never let go of the rope last night against the best team in the East, that's maturity, that's growth, that's trust, that's everything from Finch all the way down. So, yeah, I I, I find myself tuning in just because I want to watch Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert play basketball, and that's crazy. Yeah, right. that is like, <laughs> that's I find myself last year tuning in and being like, oh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll eat this meal, but I'm, I'll have the Rudy Gobert mushrooms on the side. Like now yeah. I'm a fan of mushrooms and it's great. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by better help. This time of year with the holidays fastly approaching, it can be a lot and it's natural to feel some anxiety or sadness about it, but adding therapy can be a bright spot amidst all the stress and change. It can be something to look forward to something that helps you feel grounded. It can give you the tools to manage everything that is going on. Therapy can be helpful to learn coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy can help empower you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If starting therapy has been on your mind, please give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp was designed to be convenient. It's completely online and suited to fit your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you with a licensed therapist. And you can switch that therapist anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Moore today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Moore. D-A-N-E-M-O-O-R-E. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week, and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the Game Time app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set, and tickets are sent directly to your phone. So no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You can just snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code DaneMore for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DaneMore, all one word, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, let's flip over to to talking about Carl Anthony Towns. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we've been talking about this. I mean, it's been pretty much six bad games now in in, in six games for him. Uh, obviously, Britt was hot on that uh, last <laughs> week. Kind of <laughs> recapping the first week. I don't know, I, I, I've talked about it on and off. I got some thoughts on this game uh, in particular. What what I've been saying is I'm just trying to focus on what I'm seeing on the floor uh, and hold that to account um, because I know I can, like many other people, get, I think, swept away in some of the other stuff that, that Carl does and, and, frankly, maybe get blinded by that um, because it's it's not maybe what you want your star, see your star player doing, um, like, aesthetically. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to focus on the basketball, but you and I haven't really talked, or you haven't been on the pod in uh, over a week now, and it's it's kind of getting worse here. Um, he he's kind of almost feeling like a not very relevant piece, which is crazy to say for a a four and two team. Honestly, I think it helped that he fouled out last night, just in in yep. the vacuum of of that game and being able to bring uh, Kyle in there to just kind of play mature under control basketball um but it's tough uh, this is not a this is this is not a fun thing i don't think it's a fun thing for carl that he's he's struggling right now but and i'm just seeing him fighting himself and i'm not sure he knows that that's what he's doing and and that's that's really getting in the way what are you seeing i carlante towns is this year eight or nine Conte Towns is off to his worst start of his career by a mile and of all the players on this team deserves the most criticism. It's not even close. My thing that I struggle with is last night when I I sent that video clip and that tweet about Ant and Jaden in leadership, sent it right after the game. Within seconds, there's like 12 replies just shitting on Cat. And I'll just never understand. If that is how you consume sports after one of the most impressive wins and this kid goes off and he's two-way and Jaden has a 20-point game and all this stuff. If your first thought after 30 seconds of winning that game is to shit on Carl, we'll just never have a beer together. We'll never be friends. I just, this team finally is doing some things. And that and this isn't being like, well, we can't criticize Carl. No, you can criticize Carl. I just don't understand. Like, I lose things, I I lose things all the time. I lose things all the time. On my wedding day, I lost my belt in the ocean. I jumped into my suit. Okay, so when we finally bore, got off the boat, fell back on land, but... I was like, you know, I just got married on a boat. 
at sunset in Hawaii. And if the first thing I did was like, God damn it, I lost my belt. I'm a loser. I'm a big loser. Like I got married. The wolves had a ceremony last night. This is clearly Ant's team. There's a lot. I mean, the, the Carl stuff is coming down to the point where I think it's just all mental. And I'm not even making excuses. It's just like, I don't think he has confidence in his shot. He did let, what, seven rip last night. Um, I thought they all looked like good shots. They were kind of from that Porzingis range, which is pretty unguardable. He just didn't hit any of them. Um, they have to figure it out. They have to figure it out. But this kind of goes back to the Finch thing. You're not going to, no smart team. Only dumb people fire Chris Finch last week. Dumb people fire Chris Finch. He's now coaching the best defense in the league. And his star player is like, yeah, he made me work hard in the summer. You can't just trade Carl for the James Harden package of just a bunch of guys with, you know, one and a half legs and a heartbeat. Because this team also doesn't have any space on their roster to go get four, you know. I've seen people like, yeah, I just go trade them for four or five bench players. They don't have four or five bench spots. This is the deepest team in the league. But they got to figure it out. And I sympathize for him because I'm probably a little too loyal and just all the things I think he did in the past to kind of keep this team afloat. But they got to figure it out because I don't mind. I have I kind of have a fun stat for you here. So last night, here I'm going to read some. Carly Towns has scored less than 10 points in 17 career NBA games. The Timberwolves are 4-13 and 13 in those games. And last night was, the, was only the second time they've won such a game since Cat's rookie season. Okay, so this team has never been able to win games when Cat scores under 10. Now they can do it because he's not their best player. He might not even be their second best player or most important player. He might not even be their third most important player. But I just think you need to try to like go through every possible solution or every possible thing to figure it out. I'm talking like sports psychologist, one-on-one with A-Rod, like whatever we got to do to figure it out because I still think at the end of the day, if you just dump them and just get rid of them, I have some Wiggins flashbacks of just like, is there anything else this team can do to try to correct his behavior? And the behavior is the worst thing, right? Like that, mm-hmm. the energy vampire stuff of like, show, not she never shows up as teammates really, but just constantly showing up officials. Or just, I, I have a pushback on that one. I, that's what I noticed last night and why okay. I knew it was bad was so uh, so first possession of the game, Jaden tries to dunk up Porzingis, he gets blocked, right? They're doing the funky matchup thing. Wolves don't know what the hell they're doing, right? They're like, okay, we weren't expecting this. Like, what what Drew Holiday's on Cat. Uh, we weren't planning on playing through the post to Cat. But next possession down, they gave it to Cat in the post. And Holiday's on him, Porzingis lurks over, right? Kind of for the double team, which, you know, so so Cat's kind of like, you know, this is his first touch guarded by a point guard with a lurking center on him in the game. And Holiday just kind of goes behind him and takes the ball away, goes out and transition Jalen Brown dunk. And what bothered me was not that Carl didn't run back on defense because, quite frankly, I don't expect him to at this point. He, he just he doesn't right. he yeah. doesn't do it. So right. yeah, yeah. But what it was it wasn't because it wasn't a foul. Holiday just took the ball. Yep. But but Carl felt the need in that moment to try to divert blame. What he normally does in those times is look to the referee, right? And, you know, I got fouled. What's going on? And that's what makes him still back on defense. What he did on that play was he looked at Jaden and he blamed Jaden for not having cut. Okay. And that is not just bad basketball. That's bad leadership. Yep. 
red flag. Massive. And, I did and, not and see so, that. So. Because I normally, I'm, I'm normally with you that he's not like a show up his show up his teammates guy. It's the refs are the ones he tries to show up. Um, that to me signaled he's down bad right now. I don't think again that is not a pattern of his behavior. That getting back in transition and the rest stuff that is um, that was relatively new to me and immediately I went like to the clip on my on my computer and I tweeted it out and whatever. Um, but that can't happen. Nope. I mean, if you're doing that sort of stuff on top of falling over and on top of the refs and all, all this other stuff, we are getting to a point where you will need to be benched. There are other yep. options. Kyle Anderson. And, 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 and a lot of that has to do with Kyle Anderson. It's just like a pretty damn good option to put it in at the four. It's safe. Right. Um, you want to, you know, you want to up your risk potential and get a little more upside, but Nas in there, right? Yep. And do that. They are just at a point, given how much you can kind of bank on Kyle and what Nas is showcasing, that frankly, they don't need him right now. Now, that said, they better get him going or he better get going because if they do, what if you got Carl in that game last night? making seven threes, which is completely within the realm of possibilities for him, for sure five. You do that, and now you have blown out Boston. So he, again, all these critiques are, I mean, it's bad. I'm, I'm calling it out. But it is pointing to do something different, and the ceiling gets higher, and you get better. You want to talk about, like, real, like people are talking about, like, it's Denver and Minnesota in the West right now. It's not if Carl doesn't get going. I'm sorry. It's just a really good team. It does not have that ceiling without at least getting rid of the negative elements of, of what Carl is right now. It can get there if you get the better to best versions um, of cat. And, and right. I, again, I just, what I wrote down in my notes was he's fighting himself and I don't think he knows that he's doing that. Um, that's concerning. Go ahead. But okay. The words I am saying, you are not interpreting them as me necessarily defending him or trying to skirt criticism i'm telling you no 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 no. i was just saying the teammates i know but i'm just saying there's a handful of people that listen to this that have the critical thinking skills of a pet rock and i just want them to know that like he deserves we do pie chart of blame over at flagrant house like he deserves right now the most blame but it's to me and this is the struggle this is why it's a conversation but it's not as easy again as just sending finch to the moon after one blown 20 point loss the, the talent versus all the other stuff. I don't think, I mean, again, if you just go look at the box score and you just take Carl out, even though he only had seven points and seven turnovers and six fouls, I come back cool. to, if you take Carl off this team, and some people are going to be so happy, and you send him to the Charlotte Hornets, I don't think this team is nearly as talented as the five best teams in the league. Yeah, You know what I mean? So that's why it's like, I don't know, dude, you know my wife, like, she loves to just get rid of stuff. She loves to, she's like the opposite of a hoarder. She just loves to get rid of stuff. And I'm always just like, probably too loyal, but it's like, hey, man, we can't just get rid of all the frying pans. Because at some point, we're going to host Thanksgiving, we got to have that pan. So you can't just cut bait with him today because you're frustrated. That's why I wanted to say that stat. It's like, Mm -hmm. this team now can just win games without him. And now you can flip that and be like, well, if you can win games without him, why do you need him? Because I still think at the end of the day, can't win a championship. you can't win a championship mm-hmm. without as much talent as you can have. But to your other point, because you also tweeted this out last night when you're like, this team's got to find a way to get Nas Reed 30 minutes. The best way to do that is to just play him over Carl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I saw a bunch of people like 
reply to that. Uh, just being honest, like th- that's that's not what I was like getting at. Right. I, I right, mean, right. I, I'm I'm at the point of like, I mean, Nas is appears to be completely fine guarding wings. Mm-hmm. Like, so so that's what I'm saying. Like, it it went from like a joke of playing, you know, Nas next to Carl and Rudy. I I don't think it is. You know, like knock on wood, like. Jaden gets hurt or something. I mean, I think you probably start Kyle Anderson at the three, but like I'm, I'm playing. Then I'm playing Nas, twelve minutes a night at at small forward in 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 that situation because he said that was seven minutes left to go in the game last night, and I went to Britt and I'm like, I think he's done for the night. And Britt's like, No, no way. Well, he's gonna, he didn't come back into this game. He sat out the final seven yeah, minutes didn't. of the fourth, and he sat out all all of overtime, and you know. I, we get dangerously close to overhyping uh, Nas some too. I, I'm not, I mm. actually don't really think he needed to play in those times. Like I want to play, put Kyle in once, once Cat fouled out, I, I get that. But when we're talking about like innings eater, 82 games for the season. Yeah. Like I do think you got to get Nas closer to, to 30 minutes a night. And, and the, I think it's two ways you can do that is what I guess I'm saying is you could play him a little bit more over Carl you got to navigate some politics in that, but like whatever you're a good team, you're trying to win right now. Carl's not playing well, but I'd also just I play him in as a wing because I kind of just see Nas as a wing now. Again, this conversation would be a lot different had they not won the game because Carl had as many points as turnovers and as many fouls as the two best defensive players on the team, Rudy and Carl, Rudy and Jaden. I just keep coming back to none of this is easy. The season is way too long. And I just think there. I mean, again, we've we've we did this all summer, right? Like the second mm-hmm. apron stuff, all the big financial decisions that are looming. I mean, God forbid, we haven't really even since the season started talked about how. I think we've now learned that Nas Reed is like a foundational piece of this team, along with Jaden and Ant. Kyle Anderson has to retire a Timberwolf. He's just too <laughs> important, right? So there will come a time if you're anti Carl, you have you just had enough of him after nine years and not correcting some of the things mentally the the energy vampire the showing up the teammates that stuff i totally get and the example mm. you brought up last night is really telling and like another sign that i think this man is so in his head and so down bad that they gotta do i don't think the talent has fallen off i don't think this is a monster situation but you can't have that you can't have that because that's why we hated rudy last year and yeah. if he's going to start gotcha. doing that that's why people are going to hate him but i just keep coming back to i love this team i love that they can play defense I love how many options they have and how deep they are. I don't... I wonder if you asked Mike Malone or, like, you know, Steve Kerr, other teams around the league that are, are considered contenders, and you said, hey, would you rather play the Timberwolves with Carl Anthony Towns or without him? Yeah, right. They would probably say we'd rather play him without mm-hmm. him, right? So yeah, they sure. got to figure it out, and this is going to be an ongoing conversation, and he was really close last night to submarining what I think was probably the best win of Chris Finch's tenure, but I just am not ready yet to pull the plug because without him, there's not a lot of other good options. And well, and, and the pulling the plug is like, yeah, you know, that's a, that's a whole separate conversation (laughs) and, and not one I really want to get into today or like Mm -hmm. in, in general, because um, you and I like opening up the trade machine and trying to figure out what they can get from the Knicks um, is, one premature because they are if they do trade Carl, it wouldn't be till February. And two, it's the right, it's the Delo theory that Conley had last season where Delo did not have trade value at the beginning before the season started last year or 15 games into the season. Delo started playing better 
not in a way that necessarily like massively impacted the Wolves positively, but it made other teams like the Lakers be able to believe that they could turn that they were interested in in wanting D'Lo. So if we even want to play the hypothetical like cat game, he needs he needs to play at a level that an opposing team is willing to be able to trade something of value, perhaps significant value for him. And and that's not going to come right now because one, he's not playing well, and two, because he's set to make fifty to sixty million dollars a year for the next four seasons after this one. Um, yeah, the just say the 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 responses of just trade cat are absolutely lacking nuance and and like you said, just not nowhere near the type of real thoughts and way of thinking that NBA coaches or NBA executives are doing. Tim Legler said on the All NBA Pod earlier today with Adam Mares that he watched that it was one of the most fun games he's ever watched last night, Celtics wow. Timberwolves, and that he watched every second of that game. And at no point did he even notice Kronthe Towns. Hmm. That is a really big indictment. Yeah. If you start being, if, if if you wake up the next morning and remember Carl is Tony Snell, right? <laughs> Just like, oh, I guess he was out there. I don't know. Um, yeah. That's really, really embarrassing. And then I'm glad that you brought that point up in the, the first minute of the game, kind of showing up Jaden, because that's the type of stuff that for all the, I mean, I, I think you would agree with me here, but for all the other stuff, I don't think historically in those first eight seasons, Carl Carl showed up rest all the time and has so many dumb offensive fouls. I don't remember him ever really showing up his teammates. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's always been at least because I genuinely don't think he's that guy. That's right. that's what I'm saying. And that yeah. that is the inflection point for me, and I think a lot of people listening to this of like that is a sign that this man is down really bad. And I hope the coaching staff or other people can kind of mm-hmm. get through to him. Um, but back to the Rudy stuff, this is why I tried to say it again at 20 minutes ago that Rudy gives me hope for Carl. Rudy was doing some of that stuff last year, and whether it was health or whether it was comfortability with his new teammates or whatever, he was just not acting like himself. And he has limitations as well, but he was showing up the teammates, and that was always a thing. I'm a big chemistry and vibes and teamwork guy. And when you start showing up your teammates, you're a loser. And Rudy was a loser last year showing up his teammates, and now he does none of that stuff, and he's beloved. If you're going to start showing up your teammates and your Carl, that's loser mentality, and he's got to get that corrected because that's the one thing that can absolutely – I mean, they'll just leave him, right? Like like you said, bench him. Like, the rest of this team seems so connected that they'll just move on and just leave him at the bus stop and move forward, even if it means that their team has less of a chance to win a championship. So, uh, I don't think they want to, man. I think they want – obviously, I, I know they, they don't want to. They, they want to find a way to make it work. I think what I mean, to the Rudy point, what made Rudy work? You started using him like Britt said this on the last week, like a sublime role player. How yep. about we start there with Carl and how about we put him in the damn corner and let him start off somewhere simple where his talent alone can start to develop him, him some confidence because you know what is just not going to work this year. He is never, ever, ever this season going to be able to drive to the basket in the way in which he was two seasons when, ago when you before Rudy to Giannis, Giannis. in yes, a light way. It was. Yeah. He started playing yes. offensively like Giannis. That was his game. He was pump and go against fives, and he was attacking the rim, and he was a problem. It was the best season for my money of, of Cat's career because he was also playing defense. That's not there because until Rudy can move out to the corner out there, which who knows about that, 
on the Carl's drives take up so much space. They just naturally do. He is wild and gangly and good at that. But if there is a player, in, if Rudy Gobert is in the dunker spot, then so is the center. And it is not going to work. And it is going to lead to stray voltage. It is going to lead to falling over. It is going to lead to transition opportunities. And it sucks. It's the energy vampire of himself. Mm-hmm. Like he needs to start somewhere where he can confidently get going. Let's turn down the role. Let's not placate to it. Let's just ask him to do some basic things and stack them on top of that. Treat him like a sublime role player, just like you did Rudy Gobert, and I bet you you'll find the same results. But but to close this out on Carl, what you just said about Rudy and kind of unlocking him or, or repositioning him or just bringing him back to life out of his midlife crisis, that was a lot of coaching, right? But it was also on Rudy to just stop being a loser of a teammate. Stop fighting your teammates on, you know, in the huddle. So put Carl in spots where he can start to build and have more consecutive good moments mm-hmm. and good games and good weeks. But the the mentality, the the stuff publicly, the actions, I, I cited this 36 different times, but I always think back to a couple of years ago after the Bucks won the title, the Wolves were playing them in like game three and Carl had a couple bad games to start and was getting ridiculed and he just put his head down and played basketball. Just played basketball and then after the game was like, I'm just here to play back. Like he was like really mature. You got to get to the maturity. And that's why I'm saying I'm not defending Carl fully. I'm not defending anyone. It's just the coaches need to find a way to unlock him again and get some of that. I mean, he's still so skilled, but the mentality, the down bad to get myself out of this, that's all on him. It's all on him. And this is an inflection point. This is, this is a year for make or break because if it breaks and he submarines the team or he submarines himself as a player, he's out. It's just going to happen, and we're going to talk about that all April, May, June, July, and August. But for now, I just think you got to continue to find different ways to rekindle that flame because this team last night, as good as they are, I still think there's – we just talked about this at the beginning. There's so many things they can do better. There's so many ways, you know, to get – I mean, they're not even playing Shake Milton anymore, right? Like, they're they're basically down to an eight-man rotation. they got to find these little ways to get all these different people better in the rotations – Carl playing better basketball makes this team even more dangerous and puts them in a true contender status. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. But we're also six games in. So, I don't know. It's November 7th. I appreciate you playing Hurt today. Uh, hey, can I just say quick that I thought Nikhil was awesome last night? I want to just get that out of the way. I just, I mean, he stumbled through the first five games with his shot too, but I was just, he had a couple big shots last night. He's kind of pesky, but I just wanted to give him a shout out too because I thought he was awesome. Uh, yeah, like it's energy. No more technical free throws. Yeah, what the fuck, man? <laughs> what is going on? I don't know. I, I I don't know. They gotta let. I don't know if you said. Well, yeah, you were at the game. They uh, that one woman who was shooting for the free TVs. She made her free throw. So like maybe she should take him over. Nah. Uh, she also made a three pointer. So maybe she should take him over. Carl. But uh, that and then another thing I had written down. It was just funny. But in that end of game sequence, we really didn't talk about enough. But, like, Joe Mazzullo was never calling a timeout. It was so crazy. It reminded me of, like, a heavyweight boxing match where you're just, like, I'm puking into my toilet. I'm just like, oh, call a timeout, Joe. Call a timeout. Like, it just kept going. Ant hit a big three, ran back down court. Him and Kyle did their whole 30-second montage of a handshake. While they were in transition. The play didn't stop. I know, I and then, know. Like, and then Kyle's, like, kind of slaps Ant on the butt. like, hey, you got you to gotta play defense. Yeah. So then Ant gets a stop. Goes down again, hits another three, 
Another and then dap. comes back down. Thirty second montage of a dap, and the, <laughs> none of the play stopped. It was one of the. It was like one of the funniest moments ever. I Just know. like these guys had a full on dance party while the game was still going on, and it was hilarious Twice. to watch. So uh, it was. It was. was back. Vibes are high. Vibes are high. He's Kyle Taggy. I follow him uh, on Twitter at Kyle Taggy. You guys are doing flagrant house today too. Yeah, I'm oversaturating the podcast market. But... There you go. That's all right. Hey, no, man, this is the time. This is the time. I, I'm going to, too. Me and Chase are going to do uh, Wednesday morning or tomorrow morning. Uh, so we'll I guess we'll talk a little bit more about this game. Maybe some just themes from the from the first six Pelicans um, on Wednesday night. And then Britt and I uh, will go on on Thursday afternoon. So, uh, yeah, no such thing as oversaturation. What a crazy string of games, right? Like the yeah. Nuggets. And then, like, you know, the Jazz, who have the Walker-Kessler angle and stuff. Then the Celtics, and now Zion on Wednesday, and then Wemby on Friday. And then, what, yeah. two games against the Warriors? I think you're heading out to San Francisco for that. Am, so, yeah. uh, just just purely from a basketball standpoint, as much as I've just ridiculed Adam Silver and his love for tight underwear, like, the regular season games right now are really good, and every night is awesome. Last night was awesome across the entire league. Uh, so... If you can find ways to watch the game, I know that's still kind of a double-edged sword, but if you can still find <laughs> ways to to watch the NBA or the Timberwolves, I think you should because this is it's about as pure a basketball cocaine as it gets right now. It's just really good basketball, high-level execution, and a lot of fun to watch for November. No, man. It's it's going to be a blast, and we got like six more months of it, five more months. Yeah, oh. well, we'll see. You know, um, <laughs> but also... Also exciting. Uh, again, appreciate you doing it, Kyle. Um, like I said, Jason and I on, uh, on Wednesday morning, we'll keep rolling with this thing. Uh, until then, he's Kyle. I'm Dane. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.